Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Now, I don't know what kind of family you grew up in. Whenever I grew up, if you turned around and looked backwards in church, your mother pinched you. You weren't supposed to look back. Matter of fact, we sit on the second row. I'm not sure anybody else showed up except us. Because you can never turn around and look because you get pinched. But I want you to take time today to turn around and look at all the people who are here worshiping the Lord Jesus. Isn't that great? We're so glad that you're here today. Man, it's a wonderful thing to worship a resurrected, risen Christ. Amen? We do not serve a dead Savior. We do not go to His grave. We go rather to the throne of grace. Where he is seated there and he is waiting till the father tells him it's time to come back and make all things new. We serve a risen savior who talks to us, who walks with us, who shares with us that we have a relationship with. Now today I want to talk to you about what it means to know a resurrected Christ. To know a resurrected Lord. A resurrected Jesus. That's a relationship like no other relationship. There's none like it. Matter of fact, the best word to describe it is transcendency. To be transcendent means it's bigger than us. It's it's more than we can fathom. It's more than we can grasp. It's more than we can explain. And that's what a a relationship with Jesus is all about. When you enter into that relationship, something happens in you. Something changes about you. And to come to know him that he is resurrected is is all powerful. So very powerful. If you are here today and you know what it is to have that relationship with a resurrected Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know exactly what that's like to have that relationship with him today. If you don't, I hope before you leave here today, you'll know what we're talking about. It's beyond description. It's beyond words. It's hard to explain. But we know that it's real. And we know when it happened to us. I don't know how old you were. And I don't know where you were. But you remember when it happened to you. I remember as a seven-year-old boy, whenever I came conviction of my sin, a seven-year-old, I knew that I was a sinner. And that I needed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of my life. And, And my faithful pastor took me and prayed that prayer with me. And I followed him praying that prayer And man, something exploded inside of me. I knew that Jesus came into my heart that day. My eyes were filled with tears and my heart was filled with joy because I knew I was forgiven. And I was adopted into God's family and he would be with me forever and forever. And I've never gotten over that to this day. I hope that you've had that experience. I hope that you remember that time when Jesus came into your heart and your life. Whenever he comes into our heart and life, a relationship with a resurrected Christ makes all the difference in the world. Let's talk about that. Some of the stories that we have in the Bible that you you can find and look at, you find that there was a lady who was a harlot. She was a harlot. Matter of fact, she was demon-possessed by multiple demons. But when she came to know Jesus and when she came to understand the resurrected Christ, her life was transformed. Her name was Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene, her life was transformed by this Jesus. 
To the point that she not only becomes an anointed follower of Christ, but she's the one that comes and kneels down before him and washes his feet with her tears and her hair, anoints his feet with oil. And she is the first one who is at that grave to what she thinks prepare his body, but to find an empty tomb and to encounter that resurrected Christ. And if Mary were here today, she would tell you, I've never gotten over it. He changed my life. He took an old rugged fisherman. I'm sure he was tough. I'm sure he had his ways. But Jesus called him out of fishing for fish and called him to fish for men. And he had some bumps and bruises along that way. Even denied Jesus three times when he said he wouldn't. But when he encountered the resurrected Christ, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. To the point that when once he walked with fear, he now stands with great boldness. And he preaches the gospel of Christ. He tells about the resurrected Savior to those people on Pentecost. And 3,000 people got saved that day. How could that happen? Because he encountered a resurrected Christ. It changed his life. And if Peter were to stand here today and to speak to you... He would say, I've never gotten over it. What about a tax collector? (laughs) He worked for Rome. A Jew working for Rome, that was unheard of. Why would that Jew work for Rome? Because being a tax collector was a way to make a good living. And probably that tax collector was more interested in wealth, possessions, and the things of this world than he was the things of God. That was until... Jesus came along and called him out of that tax collector's office, out of that life of searching for wealth and possessions, and called him to follow him. And that man named Matthew, others called him Levi, he laid it all down, and he followed Jesus because that was the most important thing that he could ever do. And he was willing to follow him even unto death. What about that, that, that group of 12 people that Jesus chose to follow him, the disciples known as the apostles? Well, they were a fickle group, weren't they? <laughs> they were constantly trying to figure out who was the greatest and who was the best. And I'm sure there were times of great teaching opportunities and great disappointments as they walked around with Jesus. You wonder how that fickle bunch, those fickle followers, could ever make any difference in the world in which they lived. But to have a resurrected Christ relationship made all the difference for them. For see, instead of being fickle followers of Christ, they became the people who turned their world upside down. And not only turned their world upside down, they gladly, they gladly each one died because of their faith in Christ. Those 12 disciples, those 12 apostles, those followers of Jesus would tell you today there's nothing like knowing the resurrected Christ. One final one. What about a persecutor of the church that Jesus established? What about being a murderer? His very purpose was to go out and to to get all those who were the followers of Jesus and to put them in prison and throw them and keep them from advancing that faith till on that road called the Damascus Road, he encountered the resurrected Christ 
And he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, who are you? And Jesus says, I am that Christ, the Lord, the resurrected one. He was struck with blindness just for a few days when Ananias went and prayed for him and baptized him and he had his sight. And a man who was a murderer and a persecutor of the church becomes the apostle to the Gentiles, the missionary to the Gentiles, who gives his life for the kingdom, advances the kingdom. Thirteen of the of the books of the New Testament written by him, and he goes to his death in Rome, and he gives all of that for the resurrected Christ. The Apostle Paul would tell you, there's nothing like knowing the resurrected Lord. See, he has changed people, and the Word of God records how the resurrected Christ changed people every time he met them. Well, from that first century to this century, Every generation, there have been the testimony of those people who have been transformed and changed by the power of the resurrected Christ. You can go throughout all of Christian history and you find those people who give up all to find everything and who gladly do it because that relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship and the most important thing that they have. And even to this day, sitting in this room, are people who have given their life to Christ and chosen to let him be Lord of life. And they've never gotten over it. And I hope that you are one of those, that if we had time today for you to share your testimony, you could say, I gave my heart to Christ then, and I met the resurrected Christ, and I know that he's alive, and I know he changes my life. And it's beyond what I can describe, but I am so very, very thankful for Jesus that he is alive forevermore. Amen? I want to share with you four truths. That when you encounter the resurrected Christ, I want you to know four truths about this encounter. And it's going to come from the lives of some of these that we just talked about. The first of those that you'll find, if you look in John chapter 20, the gospel of John chapter 20, we're going to look at a number of passages this morning. In John chapter 20, it is the story of where the empty tomb is there and Mary Magdalene comes to that tomb that day. And when she comes to that tomb that day, she sees that he's empty and she's concerned about that until finally some angels tell her that he's not here, he's risen. And all of those things are happening, but something specific take place that you and I need to focus on because it helps us to understand this. When you encounter the resurrected Christ, listen to me now, He's going to call you by name. He's not going to say, hey, you. He's going to call you by name. And there's nothing like being called by your name. Listen to what it says in John chapter 20, verse 14. And when she, talking about Mary, had said this, she turned around and beheld Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had car- have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, you ought to underline this, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Isn't it interesting that she encountered the Lord? She thought it was a gardener. Until what? Until he called her name. And when he called her name, her her eyes were open, her heart was open, and she knew exactly who he was. She understood exactly what had happened, and she is responding to a resurrected Christ. In the same way that Mary responds because her name was called, he is going to call your name. You say, do you think he knows my name? Yes, he knows everyone's name. You think your mama named you. Your mama didn't name you. Your mama just gave you the name that Jesus obviously wanted you to have because he knows your name. And he's going to call you by name because you know why? Jesus didn't die for everyone. He died for each one. He didn't die for you because you were a part of a group that needed to be saved. He died for you because you needed to be saved. He died for you that if you were the only person who needed salvation, if you were the only sinner in this world, he died for you so that you might be saved. Salvation is a personal experience. It is something he does individually. And his death and his resurrection is for you. And therefore, whenever he calls you, you're not just one of the group. He will call you by name. And I remember when he called my name. It was as though he were in the room with me. I didn't, I didn't hear it audibly, but it was just as real as if I'd heard it audibly. When he spoke to my heart, he spoke to my life. Do you remember him calling your name? Matter of fact, he might have called your name more than one time before you got saved. Many of us do not get saved the first time we have our name called, do we? Aren't you glad God gives us a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance? Amen. I'm glad he just gave us one chance and it was over. So he may have called your, your name more than that. And, and he may have called your name and continuously be calling your name because you have not yet responded. But listen, my friend, if you will listen, if you will listen carefully, Jesus died on the cross for you and he'll call your name. You said, there's no hope for me. Oh, yes, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Amen. (laughs) As long as you have today, there is still hope for you. God does not give up on you. God is a patient, loving, caring God. And he will keep calling your name. Will you listen to him? Because if you're going to have a relationship with a resurrected Christ, you're going to have to listen. He's going to call your name. He will call your name. Second thing, turn to Luke chapter 24, back one gospel. Luke chapter 24 records the story of two men on the road to Emmaus. They have been there. They are followers of Jesus, but Jesus has died. And now those disciples are wondering, what are we going to do? What's going to happen in our lives? And We've given ourselves to him. What's going to take place? Well, these two disciples, they're unnamed, but these two disciples are making their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And as they're making their way from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they're talking along the way about what had transpired, about the, the, the arrest of Jesus and the trial of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the burial. They're talking about all of those things. When all of a sudden the stranger comes along that they do not recognize. Oh, we know that it's Jesus. But they can't recognize. They don't know who he is. And whenever he comes along, he asks, what are you talking about? And they said, oh, it's about the things that have happened in Jerusalem these past days. What is that? Oh, are you the only person who does not know what happened? 
with the man named Jesus. And they, they tell him the story. And, and they're walking along that way. And, and whenever he begins to take, he begins to take time and he begins to share with them about what has really happened. The stranger begins to be the one who's carrying on the conversation. The stranger is the one who takes the stage and begins to help them to understand from the prophets and the law what has taken place. Then they come to a place to rest and it looks as though he's going to pass on. They invite him. Would you come? Hey, would you come stay with us tonight? Would you come have a meal with us? And they come and they have a meal together. And when they have that meal together, it says that, that they ask him and he prays. They ask him and he prays. And whenever he prays, something happens. Look what it says in verse 30 of chapter 24. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with him, he took the bread and he blessed it and breaking it. And he began to give it to them. Listen. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Well, they recognized the guy who could pray over the bread and break it and share it. They'd seen that before, amen? Isn't it interesting that the one thing that they recognized most about Jesus was Jesus praying. For see, whenever he prayed, it was the, it was the one thing his disciples had asked him to teach them how to do. Wouldn't you like to hear Jesus pray? One of his prayers is recorded in John 17, the high priestly prayer. Read it when you get home. Wouldn't you like to have heard Jesus pray? Have you ever heard that person pray, you feel like grabs heaven and brings it to earth? Well, that's literally the prayer of Jesus. He can grab heaven and bring it to earth. Amen? And whenever he prayed, their eyes were open and they saw him. But this is what I want you to grab hold of. Listen to what they describe in verse 32. And this is, when you have an encounter with the resurrected Lord, he doesn't just call you by name, but you are going to have a what they describe as a burning in their heart. That's what it says there in verse number 32. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scripture to us? Whenever Jesus is talking, that resurrected Christ is talking. And whatever he is doing to share with you, there is a burning within your heart. Do you know what that means? Have you ever had that? That man, whenever he's speaking and when he's talking to you, it swells up your emotion inside of you. Have you ever had your emotions so swelled up that tears come from your face and you don't know why except for the fact that God is moving in you? There is a movement of God in you. There is that burning within your heart. I'm here to tell you, my friend, when a resurrected Christ speaks to you, it's not going to be commonplace. It's not going to be ordinary. It's not going to be like everybody else. When the resurrected Christ speaks to you, there's going to something happen deep within your heart and deep within your life. Because, see, he's not speaking just to your mind. He's focusing in on your heart. Jesus doesn't want to impress your mind, but he wants to grab hold of your heart. He, he, he is totally focused on that place where he's supposed to dwell, that innermost part of you that is made in the image of God, the spirit. That's where he wants to dwell, and that's where he's talking about. That's what he's focusing on. And you cannot be touched in the innermost part of your heart without it grabbing hold of you, and there's something unique that's taking place. You know what I mean by that? 
Those of you who've had that, you know what I mean by that? You bear witness to that? Man, you never forget that. You don't forget where you were. You don't forget. You might not know exactly that, but you know the experience. You know whenever he grabs hold of your heart. My friend, if God, the resurrected Christ, has spoken to you and has talked to you, you know that. If you haven't had that, I long for you to experience that. Because that's what life is all about. (laughs) Life is bigger than us. Life is bigger than what we think, what we do, what we say. Life is bigger than that. It's, it's knowing the God who created us and to become whole in him. And how do you do that? Because the resurrected Christ speaks and you know it is of God. That it is of God. So he's going to call you by name. And it, it, not only is he going to call you by name, whenever you hear that Calling my name is going to burn within your heart, burn within your spirit. Turn back to the Gospel of John, chapter 20, for just a second. I'll show you something else. Whenever you hear the resurrected Christ and respond to the resurrected Christ, it will remove all doubt. Okay, it'll remove all doubt. Are you sitting here and, and you might be a doubter? Here's how I don't know if all this is true. I'm not sure about this stuff about Jesus. I'm not sure about the Bible, if it's God's word. I, people question it all the time. And I hear people who are really smart, supposedly smart. They think that it's not really there. It's just written by men. Let me tell you something. You want to have all your doubts removed. Just meet the resurrected Christ. Amen. <laughs> when you meet the resurrected Christ, all doubts are removed. Now, let me show you an example of that. Two examples about removing doubt. One example were those fickle followers. Those disciples had been with him for three years. Whenever those fickle followers, now that Jesus is dead, you know where you find them? They're in the upper room. They're hiding. They're fearful that they're going to be next. And they have different ones to come to them. The first one that comes is Mary. Mary Magdalene. You know where she comes? She comes around and says, he's alive. He's alive. Listen, I went and, and, and I met him. I met him. You know what those disciples said? Nah. Couldn't happen. Couldn't happen. Matter of fact, one of the funniest parts of this story is, is that whenever Mary comes and reports to them that, that Jesus has resurrected and the tomb is empty, Peter and John run to the empty tomb. Now, that's funny to me. They didn't run to the tomb or be at the tomb when the resurrections happened, but when they said he's not there, that's where they go to. Amen? And you know what it says about it? It says, and they believed. They didn't believe Jesus resurrected. They believed the tomb was empty. Well, whoop de doo <laughs> That's great. And, and, and then, you know what happens? Those two disciples from the road to Emmaus, they run all the way back from Emmaus to go and to, to report to the disciples that, hey, what Mary said is true. He's resurrected. We walked with him. You know what it says? They didn't believe them either. Nobody believes in the resurrected Christ except the person who encounters the resurrected Christ. Whenever you see him and whenever you meet him, now you know he's alive. And so look what happens to them. Here in verse 19 of chapter 20. When therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus therefore said to them, Again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now they are what? Believers. What has happened? All doubt has been alleviated. All doubt has been removed. All doubt is gone. Why? Because they met the resurrected Christ. If you wonder who Jesus is, it's just because you haven't met him. (laughs) Whenever you meet him, whenever you know him, Whenever you have an encounter with him, you will know who he is and all doubts will be gone. Well, the interesting part of that story is you remember there were one one of the disciples didn't show up for that meeting. One of the disciples didn't show up. What was his name? Thomas. Exactly. So when Thomas comes in, the rest of them say, now remember they've had the witness of Mary and they had the witness of the two men from the road to Emmaus. Now they've had all the disciples who were there. All of them say, Jesus is resurrected. He came here. He was was with us. And what did old Thomas say? He must have been from Missouri. The show me state, right? He, he, He said, what? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Unless I put my hand in his nail prints and my hand in his fingers, nail prints, hand in his side. I will not believe. I will not. It didn't matter what everybody else says. Because no one can convince you the resurrected Christ is resurrected except the resurrected Christ. And a few days later, Jesus comes back. Look what it says there in verse 26. After eight days, again, his disciples were inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came to the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it in my side and be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. He's all of a sudden what? Become a believer. Amen. His doubt has gone away because why? He encountered the resurrected Christ. Let me tell you something. I have no doubt that Jesus is who Jesus says he is, that the son of living God, he's the savior of the world. He died, rose again, right hand of the father, coming again one day. I have no problem believing what the word of God teaches about it, says about it, our promises about it. I have no problem because I've met him. I've met him. He called my name. He burned within my heart. And when I encountered him, all my doubts were gone. It doesn't matter if all the world is on one side and says, what you believe is a lie. It doesn't matter to me because the one who bears witness to my spirit is the spirit of God and the spirit of the resurrected Christ. And that's the only one that really matters. Amen. And so when you encounter the resurrected Christ, he removes all doubt. One final thing I want to show you, though. Turn to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9. And Acts chapter 9 I want you to know this, that whenever you encounter the resurrected Christ, the first thing is he's going to convict you of sin. All right? That's one thing we don't like. We don't like to be convicted of sin. Well, let me just assure you right now, you are a sinner. Okay? I don't care what clothes you got on today. I don't care what makeup you got on today. I don't care what. You're a sinner. Okay? Now, I'm a sinner. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. We've all missed the target. But aren't you glad that Jesus welcomes sinners? And he takes sinners, and as that song said, it makes us flawless. Because Christ is enough for me. Amen? He died on the cross for me. So he's going to convict us of sin. 
But then he's going to reveal to us a new pattern of life, a new calling, what we're really supposed to do. And this is the story of the apostle Paul. His name was Saul. He was the persecutor of the church. And on this particular story, he's on his way to Damascus, where he's been given permission to persecute more believers when he encounters the resurrected Christ. Now, here's an interesting thing about Paul, interesting thing about the book of Acts. Whenever it came to those previous ones, Mary Magdalene, it came to the men on the road to Emmaus, when it came to the disciples and even Thomas, every one of them saw him physically, didn't they? Didn't they? Yes. But whenever it comes to the book of Acts, Jesus has ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father. So he's going to come to Paul spiritually, which is exactly the way he comes to you. But there's no difference in him coming physically and coming spiritually. He's still alive. Amen. He is coming back physically. We studied a revelation about all that's going to, how that's going to happen. Amen. He's coming back. Don't worry about that. But he encounter, Paul encounters him spiritually just like you're going to encounter him. Listen to what it says there in Acts chapter 9 verse 3. And it came about that as he journeyed, talking about Saul, he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's the conviction. That's his conviction of sin. What do you call it? He said, Saul, you're nothing but an old persecutor. But you're not persecuting the church. You're not harming the church. You're not sinning against the church. You sin against me. You're persecuting me. And you're going to have to realize that. You're going to have to confess that. You're going to have to confess that, Saul. What else in verse number five? And he said, who art thou, Lord? Here it is. And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I what? I was, I was Jesus. Did he say that? I will be Jesus. What did he say? I am Jesus. I am Jesus. How is he Jesus? Because he's alive. He's resurrected. An empty tomb. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I am the one whom you are persecuting. That is the conviction of his sin. He's going to have to realize that. He's going to have to confess that. He does. You remember he gets blinded and he's carried into Damascus and he goes to a house. And it says the whole time he was there, he's praying. What do you think he's praying about? One thing he's praying about, confessing what? Confessing sin. You know what the resurrected Christ is going to encounter, cause to encounter in your life? To have a relationship with him, you're going to have to confess your sin. He just wants you to be holy. He wants you to be right. He wants you to be pure. And he did everything so you can be that way. All he needs you to do is acknowledge that you need it and confess it before him and he makes you right. Amen? What a gift. What a gift. What Ben did, talking about that rich young ruler who said, man, he asked me everything. But what was the final thing that he came to conclusion about the gal and the thief on the cross? Hey, you can't buy it. It's a gift. It's a gift. He wants to give you that gift, but you got to confess your sin. And Saul confessed his sin. And then he told him something else. He says, I have a new pattern for you. Listen to verse. But rise and enter the city, and it will be told of you what you 
must do. What you must do. Down in verse 15, when he's talking to Ananias about telling Saul about what he's going to do, he says, that he is to go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. He said, I got a new agenda for you. Let me tell you something. I don't know what your plans are in life. I don't know what your ideas are in life. But here's the truth. When you come to the resurrected Christ, he has an agenda that he had planned for you throughout all eternity. And what he wants you to do is to get in with his plan. Die to your plan. Get into his plan. Amen? Because his plan is best. And he's going to direct your life. And can radically change the direction of your life. And sometimes that's the reason people don't want Jesus because they're afraid their life might be changed. Let me tell you something. Anything Jesus does to change your life is for the better. (laughs) Whenever you find all that he can do in your life, you'll be glad you did. And you'll be glad looking at the rearview mirror of what you had planned. His plans are always better than what you have. And it's the fulfillment of what he created you to be. Whenever you encounter the resurrected Christ, he's going to call you by name. He's going to speak your name. There's going to be a burning within your heart that you know this is something bigger than you. There's going to be the fact that he is going to remove all the doubts. No matter where they came from, no matter how they were creating you, he'll remove all the doubts and you will know that he is truly the resurrected Christ. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to point out in your life where you need to change. He's going to point in your life where that fault and failure of your life might be. He's going to do that. But he's doing that so that he can make you new, make you, as we said, flawless, and get you on the path of where he wants you to be, which is the greatest path of all. For those of us who know the resurrected Christ, we ought to say amen. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Matter of fact, we ought to be telling people everywhere, listen, come come to the resurrected Christ. Know the resurrected Christ. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do. It's the greatest thing ever happened to you in your life. We ought to be telling people that. But if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never encountered the resurrected Christ, you may have heard his voice. You you may have had that conviction in your heart that something's happened that's bigger than you. But you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never allowed him to be Lord of your life, Savior of your life, and let him make all things new. Today is a great day to do that. There's no better day than today, for today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of opportunity. Today is the day when maybe you have heard his voice. And I do not mean the voice of a preacher. It's not the voice of a preacher. It's the voice of the still, small voice of God that speaks to your heart. The day I got saved, when I was only seven, I couldn't tell you a thing that preacher preached. But I can tell you what God was saying to me. I couldn't hear the preacher because God was talking so loud to me. And that's what it means when you hear that voice of God. You have doubts. You wonder if it's true. Jesus said this. If you'll do the will of the Father, you will know that what I do is of God. He says, you'll remove all doubt when you come and you believe in me. He's going to convict you of sin. That's okay. But he's going to give you a new path to walk. And that's even better. If you've never given your heart to Christ, today is the day to give your heart to Jesus. What about us children of God? You say, well, Brother Mac, that's great and wonderful. But what about me? 
Well, you ought to be, re- you ought to be rejoicing of what Jesus has done for you. Amen? It, it ought to be that thing that we'd tell the old, old story again and again and again. We ought to be reminded of what Jesus did for me and what that experience was like when he changed my life. To take you back to when you were 7 or 17 or 27 or 70, whatever you were that you got saved. To take you back to that experience of when Jesus saved you and how real that was and all that he's done for you. And to make a fresh commitment of your heart to serve him every day, to please him, and to be about the business of doing what he called you and created you to do. That's what we ought to be doing. Are you willing Are you willing to give your heart to Christ? Are you willing to proclaim to others that you know the resurrected Christ? There's nothing like it beyond description bigger than us. It is bigger than us. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.